Hello and welcome to Chaos Dwarf Radio, the brazen broadcast, brought to you direct from between the knots on a hobgrot's crotch. My name is Oximandeus and with me today I have Chitskoy. Hi everyone. Reva. Hey guys. And I have Michael. What's up? Um, so today, guys, this is a kind of mini episode. We're just going to be talking about the um, Artisans competition, which has now been and gone, or as we called it, the Artisans competition. Because as listeners to the podcast might know, we uh, kind of took it upon ourselves to have a bit of a mini competition within the competition of uh, who could create uh, and rank the highest with, with, with the best arse cannon. So we're going to be talking about everybody's entries, the actual... Uh, specific uh, brief for this competition was to create a piece of siege equipment and it was a very very wide sort of brief and people took it all different kinds of directions but we're going to be talking um about each and every one of those entrants and 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 discussing them here but first of all maybe we should just uh, let people know kind of what it is we've we've been up to uh since since people heard from us last i can start um i really struggled to get my artisans competition done in time because i uh I managed to injure my hand, um, and so was very, found it very, very hard to sculpt. And for the people who use the, uh, the forum or the Discord will already know, but people who don't, I managed to snap a tendon in, in, my, uh, in my middle finger on, on my right hand. Apparently, it's a common sporting injury. Um, you know, for an athlete like myself, this is quite common for things like that to happen. Uh, however, my injury actually occurred when I was uh, when I was pulling up my trousers after going to the toilet. So there you go. <laughs> it was actually halfway through a game of Warhammer, uh, playing Warlords of Erewhon. Uh, my my friend had just uh, sent his 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 general on Griffin behind behind my lines and started uh, absolutely destroying me, and I had very little to do. To, to hurt this griffin with so my mates all just took the piss saying that uh i was losing this game so badly i just went to the toilet and snapped my own finger in half just to just to get out of finishing the game oh, this will never be not funny <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's one of those things isn't it <laughs> happens all the time happens all the time i'm sure it does to some people yeah these things seem to happen to me um it was uh it was my my missus my wife who who saw me through the competition because she was the one who uh had the idea that i, I physically couldn't uh mix green stuff i mean it's funny isn't it green stuff doesn't take a lot of strength to do but i was my hand was that weak that i couldn't do it um, and she had the idea of me using just regular air dry clay instead because you can mix that with water making it quite soft can't you and um i ended up finishing the model that i made using clay and uh it came it came out okay in the end thankfully but yeah that's 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 about all that i was able to do for that and then in terms of gaming i've been playing an awful lot of um warhammer 40,000 second edition recently started a little campaign um with a friend uh, of mine he's playing gene stealer cult so i'm playing the imperial guard and we're playing through that that glorious old edition where everything has a card and a table and every psychic power requires its own little card game and Every weapon has its own template and its own armor penetration and, and Lord knows what else. It was from a much more complicated time in the game, but it's not as complicated as people make out. I've read horror stories about this game, people saying it was really clunky and really hard to use. And maybe it's where I've played Necromunda, old Necromunda so much, and it's uh, that system was based off of this. But I've found it pretty intuitive, actually. I haven't found it particularly hard to use. And, and I've enjoyed the game as well because 
if I have a criticism of perhaps the more modern editions of 40k, it's that they don't feel to me as much like a battle simulator anymore. They feel very, very like video gaming. Things having uh, auras and buffs and nerfs and stuff and tanks being able to shoot in all different directions. And I mean, tanks having wounds just blows my mind anyway. So this game to me feels a little bit more like a real life battle simulation. I've, I've been quite enjoying it. What 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 have uh, what have other people been up to? Chits, you've uh, you've been away recently, haven't you, mate? I have indeed. I've been hiking through the the pleasant countryside of England and the rolling hills um, uh, on a week's vacation to celebrate a big promotion that I've scored at work. Um, and at the same time as doing that, I've also therefore spent all of the money from that bonus payment um, on a raft of new purchases. Um, I'm getting into a um, finishing the purchases for a project that i've planned for a militarum tempestus 40k stormtroopers army that fields stormtroopers from throughout the years and i'm also going to build in some of the net commander range to that, which is fun um i've got a kit bash another kit bash planned um with some uh more dwarf hammerers which are also on their way um and then i think in terms of what most people will actually have experienced, because as you guys know, I still don't have a house, so I still don't have any hobby space in which to do that. Um, I started the Chitsa's Grey Mountain blog, which at this point is just an inventory of shame. Um, it's a big inventory, and I was surprised by the number of people who replied to it. Um, but alongside that, I did actually add some value to the good people of CDO by also publishing seven new installments of Among the Wicked Dawi, which take us into the caves underneath the fortress uh, populated by the Hobgoblins and the Greenskins. If you don't know it, go check it out. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm very behind in the, uh, Among the Wicked Dawi, but um, as I've said to you, Chits, I'm, I've got six weeks off of work now, um, so I am going to be getting uh, very, very deep into this. I'm looking forward to being able to absolutely binge on, on, on this over the next couple of weeks, mate. You've been writing prolifically. What was fun is that the section is all about, you know, looking really deeply into the 93 Hobgoblins range. Um, and I think we've all got Hobgoblins on the brain because of the Hobgots release. And then, of course, the upcoming uh, painting contest. Is, um, and so it was just fun that those two things were happening all at the same time as I was already been planning to write a lot about them. Yeah, yeah. It's all come together really nicely, hasn't it? Yeah, nice one. Nice one, shits. And... Michael X, what have you been up to, mate? Um, well, basking in the glory of the Ash Cannon cont contest, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, since last time, actually, a lot of my time went to making the, the entry. Uh, a lot of my time went to making the entry. Uh, I printed some kill teams. I painted some Skaven. And at the current time, I'm already making my golden head entry actually uh, which also will be quite a lot of work but i'm enjoying it i uh, rediscovered how much i like sculpting and for some reason i've gotten much better at it than my previous attempts without actually <laughs> uh, practicing so that's weird but well there it is um yeah, and I'm, I have a few weeks holiday now, so that's also fun. Lovely, lovely. And uh, and Reva, what have you been up to, mate? I've been uh, been playing it pretty safe here recently. Have uh, 
gotten back into eBay selling a little bit just to to kind of offload uh, some of old bits and uh, and and chits has actually helped me kind of identify some things I s- scored in a couple of free hauls so I could so I could offload those uh, from from my mountain. I'll, I have to say, chits, I am looking forward to probably the most comprehensive comparison of scale across miniature ranges that has ever been seen on the forum when you uh, <laughs> when you are co-located with your miniatures. So looking forward to that. Um, yeah, not much else here. Luckily, I got my scale out again. So, uh, you know, I was able to weigh all my trousers and under trousers, make sure they weren't too heavy and avoid any injuries in the future. Um, <laughs> you know what? Do you know what? I've just realized Oxy, I mean, the solution's been staring us in the face, mate. You just need rope. Like a hop crop. Yeah. You just need oh, yeah. to tie the trousers up with rope, and then this won't happen. And you could pull a little rope somewhere on your clothing and then presumably drop them at the drop of a hat. Yeah, do you know what? The hobgrots have got it right, actually, because they they do away with trousers and presumably underwear altogether, and it is just ropes and strategically placed armour plates. I'll have to have a word with my boss and see about dress code at work, but yeah, could, could could be something to try. Yeah, I think you can make that happen when, you know, worst case, if they things are still heavy, you can always, you know, get that rope tied up to a nice nice pulley system and, and levers that give you a little extra mechanical advantage so you, you never have a problem again. Anyway, um, aside from that, not too much else, uh, you know, after the uh, competition that we're going to talk about in a bit, uh, kind of been a little distracted. Of course, eBay selling leads to eBay buying, as Chits knows, uh, so Got a few uh, extra kind of entities to fill out some of my units and uh, working uh, on the uh, special retinue unit for, for the emissary that just showed up. So that uh, the, the great unification emissary just came through my way, sent that along, and, and Xander was uh, kind enough to give me some fun extras. So I'm looking forward to, to sharing that in the near future, but working on uh, kind of fluffing out that unit to, uh, you know, uh, a full rank. So. That'll be uh, be a fun one to post. So kind of a little bit of a collaborative effort there. So that's my main chaos warp thing that I've been working toward lately. Lovely, nice one, nice one. All right, then, fellas, let's get stuck into talking about the the artisans competition. So we had quite a lot of entrants actually to this competition. We had fifteen entrants now. To some people, fifteen might not sound like a ton of people, but to a form of our size, fifteen represents an awful lot. And when you look at previous competitions, that is one of the the larger amounts uh, that we've we've had people where people enter in. And and the thing about the artisans competition as well is it's not just a painting competition. It's it's a competition of just general creativity, of having an imaginative idea of often either kit bashing or sculpting or at least converting something to become something new. It has extra steps in it. And although you don't vote on, on painting alone, obviously painting is also a factor you take into account when you, when you do look at a miniature. But it's really, really impressive that the amount of users who did took the time to to kind of commit to this competition and and to create a set of stunning, stunning entrants whose the only thing that you can say they have in common is just how utterly, utterly different they are from one another. Like people have taken this brief and they've ran with it in so many different directions. I mean, even take, you know, the three of us who entered all of us making uh, demon cannons, arse cannons. We all took it in totally different directions when we did it. Um, So what we'll be doing, ladies and gents, is we will be uh, discussing each and every one of these um, entrants. 
what we'll do is we will link in the description of this podcast, we will link um, the forum uh, where you can see each and every one of these, one after the other. Um, so if you want to look at them first and then have a listen to this or look at them while you're listening to this, it could help an awful lot. And if you're listening on YouTube, as I think actually most of our users are listening on YouTube now, um, most of our views or listens are coming through that platform. If you're on YouTube, you're actually going to see these pop up on your screen. So that'll be a little bit easier for you guys about to see the things that we're discussing. All right, so let's let's kick off, uh, gents, with the first entrance into the competition. Now, the first one, uh, number one, was from a user named Iceman. Now, I have to um, I have to come straight out and declare some some, some interest here because um, Iceman is actually a very very close friend of mine in in real life. Uh, one of my gaming buddies, one of the guys from my gaming group. So. Um, yeah, I have, to, I have to declare a bias towards his work. But to be fair, I don't think I need a bias here because it's, it's, it's really, really impressive what he's created here. Um, he has created a set of kind of mutated uh, slave ogres uh, that are heavily, heavily armoured and given all manner of, of horrible sort of warp weaponry. Like I can see kind of gatling guns and a big power claw and giant maces for fists. And some of you who are a bit more well-versed in the fantasy ranges will probably be a bit more specific than me, but I think his kit bash between some Skaven Rat Ogre models and some Ogre Kingdoms models, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, one thing that uh, that I actually just recently used uh, and acquired in a, a bits auction was some of, some of those Ogre heads, and they're, they're absolutely fantastic, and I think it works really well with... Uh, is, that the, is it the Storm Fiends? Is that, is that the true name of the kit? now may well be yeah but it is it is yeah it works really well and i think it it really kind of is taken some of the dumbest stuff from the storm fiends and not used it so you know on the backs they don't have little rat babies um they don't have the the chest gun that some of you think of when you think of the storm fiend with the gatling cannons um he's he's turned it down and turned into something much more distinctively chaos dwarfy and I think that's great because what he's done is he's taken that tension that we've always had, which is in in their Warlock Engineer manifestation, Skaven have always been a little bit on our lawn, Chaos Dwarfs, right? They've always been the ones who've got like elaborate weaponry and demonic technology and things that might explode or they might kill you. And what he's done is I think he's nicked the good bits from the, the Storm Fiends and then he's made it distinctively chalky and made it his own. Yeah, yeah, he's done really well there. Um, something as well uh, to, to take into account with, with Iceman, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, is he's someone who has um, previously really, really not enjoyed painting. He's always been well into the collecting, well into the hobby, well into gaming. And painting has been the part of the hobby that's been a bit of a drag for him. And you read a lot about contrast paints um, online. Some people think that you know they're the second coming. Some people think that they are some kind of cheating, and there's a bit of snobbery around them and stuff. Um, I happen to think they're a brilliant, brilliant tool to have in your arsenal. And the the release of the contrast paints and the technical paints have really turned him into someone who loves painting again. And do you know what? You want to see painting miniatures out there. You want to see painting miniatures on the table, and his look absolutely fantastic when you consider that he's using 90% those contrast paints and I think he's using a bit of that new Tesseract Glow and he's using some of those um, basing sort of uh, technical paints now as well. 
I think that's something that they've done really, really well with in that new paint range that it's enabled people to, uh, it's taken away a barrier to entry and people are able to create really beautiful tabletop miniatures. I mean, if you look at the paint job, I wouldn't really guess it's, it's mostly contrast, to be honest. No, you wouldn't, so, would you? Quite a lot of work, actually. Well, it's probably still a lot of work, but they look well. Yeah. Very, very nicely painted. I, I mean, the, the combination of colors is, is very good. So, I mean, contrast or not, it's it's his choice of colors and, and it works well. And also yeah. the, 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 the conversion of the models is, is very spot on. It's it's as actually I can't say much more than, than Chit said, but the first thing I, I at first glance I figured it was one model. It took me a few seconds to realize he made three and that made it a lot more impressive because you know, having made one model, um <laughs> it's a lot of work to make three models and paint them and enter them on time. So yeah, well job, good job, well done. Yeah. And honestly, I never would have believed you if you'd told me that this guy didn't have a love of painting, because I think that he's done an absolutely bang up job of them, and they look really, really tip top. Yeah, and I think that's something he's found. He's found that love of painting again. I believe with the uh, with the metallics, if it's anything like his other Chaos Dwarfs, what he did, see the see the red armor. I believe he was doing a um, if it's anything like the other ones, doing a contrast red over a silver base coat, which makes yeah, quite a. Uh, yeah, it makes a cool sort of look, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, nice one, Iceman. I used the the Tamiya X whatever red translucent paint for that. It's a real candy apple effect, if you know the color. You know, like mm -hmm. classic old hot rod cars. Um, but yeah, this is very close, to be honest. Yeah, and the uh, the bases turned out nice too, and that that's probably very. I mean, they look great. It's a nice like kind of wind blown ash look, and uh, I imagine you know something that you can. Uh... You could do a lot of in 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 a batch and and get a lot of, of models painted. You know, simple, effective can't can't beat that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, really, really lovely conversions. I mean, yeah, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And again, this is going to be so different to everything else we're going to look at. We're going to keep we're going to keep repeating this because um, we're get, we're going to have a look at like lots and lots of different entries today, and no two are the same. And like. Don't expect to see free slave ogres in the next entry, guys. It's going to be something completely different every time. And in fact, shall we go on to the next entry now? Now, the next entry um, is from a forum regular, Zod via Mortal, a guy whose painting we have, uh, we've discussed at length on this podcast already. Uh, the man who puts colours together that we would never have dreamt of going together. Uh, and, and it somehow pulls it off in a very kind of old school and yet somehow new school sort of way. And he's done something similar to what he did in the last competition where he hasn't entered one thing, he's entered multiple things. So what we can see here is we can see um, he has entered a, a giant dinosaur with uh, a, a, team of, um, a team of Chaos Dwarfs uh, riding upon it. Um, he has entered a... Um, a what did they use from back in the 80s? Was this the Juggernaut? This was the, um, the big, the big uh, siege tower. She'll know better than me, mate. What, what was this one called back in the day? It was indeed the Juggernaut. Yeah, so he's got a Juggernaut there. Lovely. Uh, and he's also entered uh, some, some like horribly mutated Chaos Spawn sort of creatures being goaded forward by a, by a Chaos Dwarf with a pointed stick. So, yeah, tons and tons to talk about here. Lots of details to go into, gents. Shall we just divide them and, and discuss each part of it separately? 
so yeah, shall we talk about? I, I think that's a good idea. Shall we talk about each of these uh, separate pieces because it's it's too much to kind of talk about as a single thing. So let's start off with a dinosaur, guys. I think this is a Lizardman Stegodon that's had some conversion work to it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I love the dwarf on top. He's so characterful, and and I love the the pink, pink purple shading on his belly. Um, also. The guy in front with the flamethrower or whatever. Yes. I love his helmet. It's so cool. Bit of a Mexican wrestler vibe, though, but it's funny. Guy. <laughs> it's a luchador. He's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Also, the, the, the uh, turquoise shield is very well painted. It's a beautiful color. Yeah, I think we specifically commented on, on the use of turquoise in his, his last round of, uh, of entries in the last competition. And yeah, that's it. It's a nice stark look, but it definitely it definitely fits, and and he, I mean, he's tying in the the reds everywhere, very well, and then the, the turquoises seem to be something that ties together the the various models uh, of the entry. And what he's doing as well, what Zod's doing here is he's is he's throwing together so many different styles and so many different kits into one piece, and yet once again somehow he's pulling it off. I mean, his army is definitely chaos of a capital C. There's, there's always something crazy going on. But I mean, you've got the kind of Mesoamerican style lizard man circle thing going on behind the dwarf on top. You've got the dwarf's axe, which is very much like a kind of like celtic and stuff like that. And then you've got the chaos dwarfs at the front kind of looking like old chaos dwarf marauders and stuff. And, and yet it works. It, it absolutely works because his army to me always does come across as chaos in the purest sense. And I do mean that very much as a compliment to him. It, it feels like his chaos dwarfs, I imagine would be utter, utter lunatics. I agree. <laughs> there'd be no surrender. There'd be no retreat from that lot, would there? Yeah, there's something, there's something he's really evoked something of the old school range, I think throughout everything he's made. And that sense of anarchy that came out of the pre-Big Hat era um, really comes through in this. I've just been vaguely looking around on the internet to try and tell whether his juggernaut sculpt is secondary market, as in it's kind of a tribute sculpt from a supplier, or the extent to which it's scrap built. Um, I think he should definitely get in touch with us and tell everyone on the, on the board where it comes from, because as a siege tower, it's really wide and really practical and it really yeah. looks like it could actually be used in a siege where the original 80s juggernaut is quite narrow and not silly but certainly doesn't give you that sense that oh if this thing trundled up to a wall it'd be in serious trouble but he's made a massive miniature by making that yeah definitely i mean i i'm not i'm not sure where it's from if i had to guess i know scotia grendel do a big resin uh chaos dwarf juggernaut style thing but i might be well off the mark though i haven't actually looked at that in enough detail but um you are right the the old one the nostalgia for it is amazing but when you actually look at it by modern standards it's dinky isn't it it's gonna be much smaller than the average castle wall it's gonna be laying siege too much you know it's the catapult at the top of it as well like flaming yeah. material at the top very cool yeah also really nicely picked out contrasting color i think Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because he's used a lot of cool colours the rest of the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and then let's perhaps talk about the, the Chaos Spawns here. Now, I think these Chaos Spawns aren't from the Chaos Spawn kit. I think these might be from the Altar of Chaos or, or whatever is Chaos War Shrine. 
think it might be from that, the kind of the big Chaos Altar that's being dragged along by a couple of mutant ogre types from the Slaves to Darkness um, range. I think that's where they've come from. No, yeah, I agree. And it, it looks like they are, and their their backs looks like he's done some work to to kind of remedy wherever that war shrine was was resting. I'm not too familiar with that kit, but that looks like uh, looks like he's done some work there to kind of bring those into something just like a more like a hunchback model. It looks nice. And one really fun thing about this, if you look at the uh, the minder, the guy who's kind of uh, goading these two creatures forward, um, I think that's a hobgoblin from Admiralty Miniatures on, on Etsy. But so front rank, you've got the hobgoblin there with, with the spear. Now, if you look um, very closely behind him, there is no hobgoblin. On the other base, there is just an empty pair of shoes, suggesting that this spawn at some point has just grabbed the hobgoblin and eaten him. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to miss, isn't it? But it's there, just a yeah. little empty pair of shoes. <laughs> and that's what that's what gives the whole. 80s vibe to it because you know it was all beards with snakes and men with little men on their heads and this kind of anarchy of like a dinosaur and a siege tower and some chaos spawn and a a, a dwarf i believe if you look at the hellsmith to the side it's a big hat with another dwarf coming out of the hat or sitting yes. on top of it right it's just crazy and i think that's a really nice energy to have on the board after all these years to see that 80s tradition being carried on with new interpretations and using a miniature you know we never see dinosaurs let's face it we never see a stegathon in a conversion yeah yeah absolutely the best thing about is all is about all his models is even even though they're pretty old school and, and a, a throwback to the 80s this painting scheme is is really well according to me it's really modern um, mm -hmm. so the the combination of both is really interesting because it doesn't, it looks old school, but it doesn't feel like it's a mall, an army from the 80s. It does, but it doesn't, if you know what I mean. It's retro, not old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not going to look out of place in anyone's battlefield today, is it? That's, uh, that, that turns up to your local gaming store or, or, your, or your gaming club or whatever, and you're just impressed. You're not thinking, cool, as he dusted this off from, you know, 30 years ago. You're just impressed because it looks awesome. It fits in today, but it it tips its hat to that that older tradition. And I think the, that that you've chits, you've you've hit the, the nail on the head with the word anarchy there. I think that was the word I was potentially um, searching for with this army. It is anarchic, isn't it? Yeah, great stuff. Um, let's let's plow on, guys, because we've got fifteen of these to talk about. Um, next up, I believe it's Iron Hayden, isn't it? Now, uh, you guys might remember from the podcast, Iron Hayden was the one who entered the. Um, giant uh hobgoblin in the last competition the kind of he was a regular hobgoblin he just happened to be the size of a siege gargant or something and his uh his color scheme is, is so instantly recognizable um with that bright green skin and those bright purple clothes uh to me it's almost a bit evocative of the green goblin from the old uh spider-man comics and what he has is he has a group of hobgoblins riding on a chariot with a big old bolt thrower and the chariot is being pulled by a giant uh woolly rhino i think from one of the ogre kingdoms kits here it's really really impressive and i happen to know that um, um hayden uses the ninth age system and after our recent conversation with uh with tyranno i can totally see where this fits in that army book yeah and i think iron hayden's thing has always been his army is 93 hobgoblins only 
Um, and he doesn't do Chaos Dwarfs, as it were. He does independent Darklands, Scythian Hat, Hobgoblins. Um, and the conversion work that he's done here to take a very precious miniature, actually, a full original bolt thrower, and to blend it in with that ogre kit. Um, the one that is a dual kit between the Noblar scrap launcher, and I can't remember what the big ogre cannon is. That's the the ogre version of the kit. I'm just yeah, trying to I know the model. I can't think what Iron it's called. Blaster? Iron Blaster, that yeah. might be it, yeah. And and he's he's it's a really neat conversion because you know he's he's not got the big ridiculous ogre horns on the side. Um he's just made this lovely little tower, and at the top of it is this original bolt thrower, which looks much more admirable and glorious. And because he's got the original bolt thrower crew, it all just looks like it's a modern interpretation of a flawless 1993 concept. Yeah. I mean, this could just be a kit you buy from Games Workshop. It, it yeah, you're not wrong. It, it's it's obviously a, a kit bash, but to me, it doesn't really feel like a kit bash. You could, this could just be store-bought. That's how well it looks to me. I, this is one of my favorites, actually. I really like the, um, as you said, the purple ropes, but, you know, that's um, universal and all this stuff. Um, but the combination of these models and and how he how he built it and and the position of the goblins on the machine is is it's it's really smart. I love it. It really is, yeah. And, and I guess uh, this is two entries so far that I've since looted ideas from uh, the <clears throat> Ogre Kingdom's uh, barrels and the barrel with the scoop in it. Just absolutely choice pieces. Uh, also, just love that he uses uh, one of my favorite Tomb King's skulls from the Tomb King's Warriors. There, the one with all the missing teeth. It's a fun little add there. He's got he's got some really awesome bit sourcing in this thing. That's for sure to kind of meld that uh, that bolt thrower to the to the scrap launcher kit. And yeah, like like you guys said, it turned out uh, turned out looking re really seamless. I'm actually holding Hayden, who is a, a mate of mine through the forum. Um, I'm holding him responsible for the fact that I'm definitely buying a scrap launcher kit now uh -huh. because I just it, it comes with the iron blaster cannon. The thing is, somewhere out there, he's got a hell cannon sized cannon barrel that he can convert into something else at any moment. You know what I mean? And and that, in terms of GW multi kits, that one's quite an old one. But gosh, does it hold up in terms of versatility? Yeah. So Hayden, if you're listening, mate, uh, Chitskoy, who normally makes very, very few uh, Warhammer purchases a year, he really thinks about it. He doesn't make any impulse purchases whatsoever. <laughs> it's your fault that he's buying this kit now, right? <laughs> Our usually reserved friend. <laughs> Hayden, Hayden, Hayden knows that because as a Hobgoblin collector, obviously, I've been working on making sure that uh, the Hobgoblin market changes for a little while now. So he... he... <laughs> He's more than he's more than aware of of the influence he has. But I think this is kind of one of those signs that like there are things for the Chaos Dwarf collector in almost every destruction and chaos army if you bring that creative eye to it and you're willing to, you know, get the tools out and have a go, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's plow on to um, the, the next the next entrance. Uh, next entrance comes from one of our uh, long-established forum veterans, the man who, as we've often said, has in Warhammer Fantasy Battles 
10,000 points of Chaos Dwarfs, and that's after he gave all his hobgoblins away. The man collects like no one I've ever known before. Um, this is Zanko's um, entrance, and he has entered a Chaos Dwarf... Oh, is this a bolt thrower, trebuchet kind of love child thing going on here? Onagar? I'm not sure how I'd classify it. Some kind of catapult, isn't it? Now, this, this uh, creation, this, um, this, this siege engine, something I really, really like about it is the face on the front, the kind of goblinoid face that's sculpted on it, which is really, really evocative of like those old sort of Kev Adams goblins, those old 1990-style things. They used to put a lot of those faces on, on the front of the orcs and goblins sort of siege engines in those days. And it's just absolutely brimming with old-school personality. And the second thing he's done that's really impressive is he's made the movement tray into a walking diorama by having this kind of twisted old gnarled tree behind it as well. What do we think about this one, fellas? I absolutely love it. I mean, the, the, as you said, the focal point is the face and the and the trebuchet, and it's it's beautiful. I hope he sculpted it himself because otherwise I'll have to buy it. Um, hmm. It's it's a really nice piece, and it's one of those models well most of them are but it's, it's one of those models you can look at for quite a long time and, and see new stuff every every time you look at it um it didn't surprise me that this was zanko's because you know if you go to his one, one of his blocks and you look at the models he makes there's well trees and most of them or a lot of them so yeah i pinpointed this one pretty quickly but still it's it's a beautiful piece and i love the the um, I know I know he said in some at some point that he would uh, consider changing out the dwarves, but actually I think they work really well with this, and and I would leave it just as is. It's it's perfectly fine as is. It's a really beautiful piece. Yeah, I think I think the retinue that he's gone with this just has so much diversity. There's so much to look at. I particularly like kind of the you know the guy in the back with the 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 signaling horn. Uh, but there's there's just so many little details to to pick up on everywhere. I, I was even reading one of the the forum posts that somebody suggested one of the only uh, improvements could be to have uh, one of the the crucified slayers hanging from the tree, and I, I do tend to agree with that. I think that'd be a hilarious <laughs> addition. But uh, and one of the images the with the you know the view straight on from the front with the face uh, and then the tree in the background, it just works really well. And and that's a hard thing to pull off sometimes when you're when you're trying to fill up uh, that much space on a base. But that's something he seems to do really successfully all the time. So the face to me is a direct reference specifically to the faces that were on the two boar centaur pushed um, whirlwind and tenderizer models. Um, and the faces, it's not one of those. He's clearly made it himself. I, I assume unless this is a, a kit, but I don't think it is. Um, and, and he has, it honestly looks better than the original in terms of the amount of detail, the way it's got more of a kind of green skin aesthetic. And obviously it is green as well. It looks like they've taken the hot, the soul of some poor hobgoblin and turned it into a very large, yeah, bolt thrower looking catapult thing. I'm sure some medieval weapons enthusiast can tell us exactly what that's called. Once again, I'm getting big 80s vibes from this with the dwarves with their weapons and shields and holding everything out like that. And I just think it would be such a time warp moment if you were to face this thing. This is exactly what the sculptors of the original range 
were going for when they created it. Yeah. And I think he's exceeded what they achieved. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Should we crack on to the next one? Number five is from the podcast zone, Michael X. Um, right. How do I begin to describe what you create, Michael? As listeners will know, we had the internal competition within the artisans. We had the artisans where uh, three of us decided we were going to be sculpting um, our own arse cannons. And um, Michael has created something utterly, utterly unique and striking and probably illegal in many territories. This is a great, big, bloated uh, demon. This is like a kind of like, almost looks like if you were to, to poke it with a pin, it might explode somewhere. It's like it's, it's bursting at the seams, this creature. Uh, it's grotesque. It's covered in growths and warts and pustules and all that kind of stuff. It's chained them to a, a great big metal platform. A kind of like a carriage. I can imagine this linking really well with some of the, the Legion of Asgore uh, range where they had the big guns and, and, and the skull crackers and stuff that could be attached in parts of whole train sort of thing. It kind of, it, it tips his hat to that. And, and this great big creature is, um, I believe, Michael, you created this, you might be able to tell me more detail. I think the only thing that's physically actually connecting it to the machine is a big old hoop around its... Um, inverted sphincter isn't it <laughs> yeah sorry i'm still laughing with it yeah it is <laughs> um it's not yeah, on but... words if i thought i'd have to say online but yeah it is it's, it's attached via its inverted sphincter i mean where do i start i've said it on my blog i was building this thing and at some point um admiral told me that he really doubted that uh, an ass cannon entry would make it to the top three or even win it but even make it to the top three would be really hard so yeah, at that point, something like clicked and I was like, OK, over the top of this. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I just I just went crazy with everything. I was like, did I do boobs? Well, why shouldn't I do boobs? Well, how is he going to fire? Well, let's put a hot poker to his testicles. Why not? So, yes, uh, it's it's file. But that was the whole point. I wanted to shock in a hopefully somewhat funny way. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I guess I, I succeeded somewhat because I made it to second place. Yeah, you did, mate. You you secured silver and it's an inclusive model. It's got balls and breasts. I mean, what more yeah. can you need? Let's go further, though. No one who has seen this model is the same after they've seen it. <laughs> Michael, you've, you knew this when you were making it, when like small children in your house would come in, see what you were working on and fall into fits of giggles. But like... You've changed this because this is, first of all, it's a fully functioning iron demon carriage, which I yes. think grounds it in the law. I also think the thing that, you know, all of the intricacies, all of the tiny details, that stuff is great. But the thing that I really want to praise you on, even though it's not part of the contest, is the paint scheme itself is just this magnificent work of contrast. Because you've got this bloated, great, unclean one style, corpulent thing. But then you've painted it in Zinchian bright blue mm. in a way that with these pink growths and polyps and, and prolapsed rectum and all this kind of stuff just pop visually out from the completely normal Chaos Dwarf industrial effect carriage that it's sitting on. 
I think one of the things that makes it so magnificent is you really get the feeling that like, yeah, this is just one of the horrifying things that the chaos dwarfs think is normal because everything else that's going on around it is just completely congruous fits in with a chaos dwarf army of like, yeah, yeah, we're getting on with stuff. We've got a job to do here, folks. We've got to put the brand on his testicles so that he'll shit animals. That's yeah. just another day yeah. at the office. I mean, uh, the, the color scheme of the demon was, was, was probably the hardest decision I made in the whole thing because, you know, if I went green, it would have been Nurgle. And if I went with an, any other color, it would have been, you know, it, it would, would either, you know, be red and, and, and not really blend in with the, the rest of the uh, carriage. Because the, the thing I started with is I want the carriage to be matching with the rest of the Forge World train. So that's where I started and that's how I started to paint it. And then I was like, okay, how can I make the demon pop out? Because you don't want the demon to, to blend away in the background with the carriage. So green didn't really work. Other colors were hmm, weird. And actually, I started with purple, purple and pink, um, which in itself worked well enough, but combined with the with the red and the gold of the carriage and even the green I had in, the, in before, it, it made it really um, Christmassy. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I don't really want my S cannon to be Christmassy, so I, I just started dry rushing different shades of blue over it and, and well, actually really started to enjoy the, the color scheme and, and the popping colors of it. So, yeah, thank you. The original color you can see on the testicles because I I didn't really paint over them. <laughs> I figured that it would be nice to have them in the original base color. It is, and I think, like I say, it's just it's actually a masterpiece of contrast because it's such a busy model, yet with the bright colors that you've chosen and the way that you've used multiple bright colors in that zinch theme throughout a, a piece that is then much more muted. It makes each separate individual stand out against all the others, if you see what I'm saying. The rectum stands out against the ball sack, which stands out against the fat ass cheeks, which stands out against all of the polyps, which stands out against the pipes. Like, you've just, you've really horrified a whole generation of people with this. <laughs> Things you'd never think you'd say online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll try and, uh, I'll try and keep... Uh... Try and keep my list a little short here because there's really too much here for me to discuss. And definitely anybody who wants so the gory details should take a look at Michael's blog that he's put together on on how he created this because there are so many things that could be easily missed or 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 not captured in you know in four images. And I think we've all sort of commiserated about uh, how we understand uh, how difficult it can be to take a good picture of your butt, and that just uh, you know picking four is not an easy task here. So that being said. There are so many things here, Michael, that are kind of both uh, hilarious and and just extremely quality and genius in equal measure. And uh, a few of those that I will call attention to, um, the fact that the back feet are, are elevated and you can imagine him kind of uh, dangling and, uh, while he's shooting. Uh, the fact that the head is chained to the uh, ass shackle that uh, would make some really painful recoil. Um, there's just so many things, and uh, another the the little uh, leaky lube puddle uh, enjoyed that. Um, something that I also thought of, um, and and the book that you've done also hilarious, uh, hilarious details that everybody should go take a peek at in uh, in Michael's blog because it's uh, it's a true gem that uh, 
this little guy is uh, is reading an instruction manual next to this vial creation. So just really impressive work all around. And uh, definitely, yeah, anybody should should go take a look. And, and it, it's a true work of both, you know, traditional sculpting, you know, uh, 3D digital sculpting and, and kit bashing in, in fairly equal parts. And, and that makes it really the true spirit of the artisan's competition, in my opinion. Thank you. I don't think I can add more than that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely brilliant effort there, Michael. Thank you so much for for, for adding this to the Chaos Dwarf canon, as it were. Um, this is now going to be in the forum for future generations to see, and that both horrifies me and, and warms my heart in equal measure. Absolutely, no, a joy. With a lot of joy. <laughs> okay, let's move um, away from away from the uh, the hypnotizing. Um, arsehole of, of Michael's work and, and on to number six now number six I believe is uh is 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 how I decided a little while ago we say his name and he hasn't corrected me since so if you're listening he need me to say your name differently Abetsida is how we're saying it for now um number six was created by Abetsida and this is a chaos dwarfified halfling hot pot launcher isn't it and I I think, I think, I think, I think I see uh, chublings uh, being used in this as well, which is leading me to think, is this that these are chaos halflings or is this that these are being used as chaos dwarfs on a smaller scale? I don't actually know kind of what direction you were going on there, but um, it's a very, very cool and fun take. I mean, the halfling hot pot launcher has always been a favourite among Warhammer fans. It's just... It's fun and funny, and it's got the, the early spirit of the game baked into it. It really, really has. And do you, the fact that you've even gone to the details of adding tiny little tusks to the to the halfling operators there. Outstanding effort. What do we make of this one, guys? The first thing that, that shot through my head when I saw this is, A, I want this in my army, but... Do I want to make this, you know, a modern version with like Lost Kingdom dwarfs and, you know, something that would fit thematically a bit better? Uh, and B, that I just don't even care if I'd make it newer. I just want this exact model. So if you're selling, I might be interested <laughs> in buying. I, I really like it. It's, it's a beautiful made piece. I mean, as you said, everybody loves the hot pot, but the way it's presented here is just a very funny and unique take on it. I love it. Hits, was this from the old uh, Dogs of War uh, era of miniatures? So the, the Halfling Hot Pot is actually a vintage miniature that goes back before the kind of army book Dogs of War. Um, because Regiments of Renown have been around for a lot longer than the, the Dogs of War army book. And the Hobgoblin Hot Pot um, goes back to that, that period. My understanding from something that Abetzadar posted elsewhere is that the intention is that you do read the Chublings as um, uh, Chaos Halflings, because this is, by my understanding, intended to be a Chaos Halfling hot pot launcher, um, which I think is just such a fun and cool idea um, and such an underexplored part of the lore and also a great use for Chublings. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think it's oozing with, with that kind of vintage Warhammer charm. Very interesting. This, this might be the uh, this might be the onset of 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 Chublings really 
emerging onto the 28 millimeter scene in full force. Uh, and we've seen them in, in some past, uh, in some past contests with, uh, Oh, what was the, who, who created the, the stone golem creation, uh, a while back. Um, geez, that might've been his ankle build. Could be wrong though. Um, either way, chublings in 28 millimeter, uh, going to need some rebranding on the, uh, Admiralty minis, uh, minis website. Cause I think it works really well. And I, I actually enjoyed that interpretation more. I think. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. I mean, just uh, we've often talked about how the, the just to phrase chaos dwarf, those those two words put together contain so much information in two words. What does chaos halfling mean? That's just a whole. <laughs> that's a whole different area to try to, to try to get your head around. What is a chaos halfling? Only Lord knows. Not exactly the most orderly fantasy creatures to begin with. Yeah, I suppose they always were chaotic. Uh, with a small C, weren't they? So yeah, this is a really, really cool entry. Very, very, uh, very unique. Um, I have absolutely no idea what it is they're cooking out. I can only imagine it's some kind of ridiculously uh, hot chili con carne or something like that. I imagine that's the kind of thing Chaos Dwarfs with apes that they're then launching at their enemies. So yeah, Vetsada, outstanding work. Thank you so much for entering that. Very cool. Uh, number seven now, guys. We have um, uh, an entrance from, from Little Joe, um, who... Got bronze place, tied bronze place um, in, in, in this competition. Um, I think Little Joe is a recent uh, joiner from the Ninth Age forums. I think he's. I might be talking. I might be talking absolute rubbish there, but I'm pretty sure he's pretty active there. Now, what he has created here is something so cool, so unique, something that um, I hadn't even really thought about. But it's a tiny floating castle. It's a tiny floating castle over a lake of lava with a great big kind of clockwork mortar um, on one of the turrets. And it's got these big cannonballs that look like they could then drop down into it and, and it can fire the next one. Those elements are from the miniature that this is, which is this is the Scotia Grendel Dwarf Gun Tower. Outstanding. Does it normally come with the rock and stuff or has that kind of been added later? No, so, so what he's done is... With the cannonballs and the mortar and the turning circle and the towers, all of that is in the original miniature, and I think the Iron Gate as well. Everything that it is sitting on top of is his own work. Very cool. So he's taken a a, a piece of uh, well scenery, I suppose, really, and he's turned it into an actual active moving thing by a bit of imagination, a bit of kind of high fantasy ideas coming in there of something that can now float along this lake of lava. It's very cool. Lovely little touch as well is the uh, is the uh, the little anchor on the side. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> yeah, that, that anchor and then also the, the Chaos Dwarf kind of armoured face, I think those are the bits that really sell it for me because the artistic achievement of the floating fortress is by itself the most resting thing and i think probably the technical achievement especially given this is the artisans contest what a lot of people were voting for but i think the way that he's hashutified it by putting that really evocative face i don't know where he got that from but i'm imagining he's made it himself and the anchor is another little motif that just adds bags of style to this yeah another thing he's done as well is the the kind of little pole that's sticking out of the lava to, to, to show that it's, it's floating sort of thing this i suppose I suppose you call it a flying stand. It's very much hidden in the design of the miniature. 
it just looks like another beam of metal or rock or something that's kind of poking out of that lava field. And where it's not going directly up in the middle of the model, it doesn't read straight away as that obvious, here's a flying model, here's the flying stand underneath it. It's done in a much more subtle way. And if you actually view the model from the front, and I think it is in the first picture with the kind of cow's face on it in the front, you don't even notice the flying stand there. It just looks like it's floating because it's slightly lower there. And I think it's quite a technical achievement in that as well. The best part about what you're saying about the, the pole sticking out is if you look at the lava on the base, it's actually like forming little waves where the, the tube mm -hmm. is it's dragging in the lava. That that sells the whole... It's just a piece of the castle dragging through the, to the, to the lava. It's pretty well done. It's pretty smart. Yeah, really, really well executed. Have you guys ever played Super Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64? It's a long time ago, yeah. This really made me want to play Super Mario 64. You know, with, with the weird cannons and the, the dropping uh, cannonballs and stuff like that. I really like the, the ref. Well, to me, it was a reference. Um, Very good point. I haven't thought about that. I know what you mean, though. It definitely does have that sort of feel, doesn't it? It does. <clears throat> I mean, if you paint it a bit more comically like, like Super Mario, I could sell it as being Super Mario themed. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I don't really have a whole lot to add uh, next to what you guys said. I, I really love the piece. And knowing that the top part is a kit does not really make it any less more impressive because the way he did the cloud and, as you said, the way he made it float and the the the, the, the suit skull on the front, it's really nicely done. Um, and also the painting of the of the base is, is such a huge contrast to the, the, the actual castle and the floating cloud. It's it's nicely done. It's a really beautiful piece. Yeah, I completely agreed. And and I mean, yeah, not not much else to add here either. I, I do believe that that face on the front is is DIY sculpted. Uh, and I also like the the little thing on the front and top of the forehead. Almost looks like a little anvil if I if I look at it rightly. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think Oxy said it that that view where you know you're kind of looking down it, and you can you can't really tell that uh, that beam is is what's holding it up. I think that yeah, really really sells the floating look and the view from the top down actually, where you know even though the focus of that picture is mostly, um, you know the uh, the kit part of the model, it still has that like very much sense of height as you're looking at the at the base below it. Uh, so. Yeah, and, and I completely agree. This one one of the my favorite ways to have a flying model represented in in terms of you know having something that's integral to the scenery be what's cleverly holding the thing aloft. I think that that's just such a strong point to to this miniature. And and yeah, of course I'm a sucker for the anchor as well. So <laughs> of course, yeah, and it's quite a high fantasy concept. I mean, somebody could say that's quite an Age of Sigmar -y sort of thing to have a big old flying castle shooting cannonballs at you but it doesn't look like that it looks to me like a lot of that proper old school artwork it looks like the kind of stuff that you would have seen in that kind of realm of chaos era where you know you go to the northern waste and things stop making sense and it has it, it looks old world and yet it's still executing very well on a high fantasy theme it's very cool very cool little joe well done mate we were all extremely impressed with this really really strong really fun entry right next one we have is uh, from Uther the Unhinged. Now, Uther um, has a very, very distinctive style. Um, he, I believe he makes a lot of his castle walls through kind of orc and goblin kit bashes, and, and, and they have a very, very distinctive look. You can, you can tell his style straight away. And 
he is another one who has really embraced the anarchic side of Chaos Dwarfs, because um, the two machines that we have here are absolutely bonkers. And that's meant as a compliment. They're really, really cool. I believe they're both um, old Mark I rhinos from Warhammer 40,000 that have been Chaos Dwarfified through the addition of giant funnels, uh, gribbly kind of uh, tentacles and stuff growing out of them. All kinds of crazy things going on around them. And, and just to kind of punctuate the, the, the anarchy even further, uh, they're then flanked by a group of, of Chaos Dwarfs with high-tech gear whose big hats have been turned into kind of like giant gyrocopter sort of uh, contraptions allowing them to fly around the battlefield. There's so much to talk about on this one, guys. <laughs> Who feels brave enough to start? I'll shoot. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite things on, I think it's mostly on the the blue model with the with all of the blue tentacles. Uh, the armor panels that he's added that are being pried off by the tentacles that just, uh, I, I love that feature of it. it. Gives you a sense of what's going on inside of it, which I guess we just have to imagine. But uh, I love that detail. Also, lots of tyrannid bits, so gotta love that. Um, and and it's got like a, a face on the side of of the the upright stack and that yeah just it it just makes that whole thing just scream chaos and uh yeah just i think that one is the is my favorite of the two although the the greener kind of mushroom lily pad with with maggots one is uh is a whole different beast i mean if, if i were pressed to say something bad about these is that it's just so much to look at in two models in four pictures um it's it's great i mean i agree with everything you guys said and um i was really happy when i saw the the making of these uh, little dudes because that showed so much more detail and glorious uh, gnarliness that I, I was really happy to see that um i love the flying dudes really funny made me laugh um and I also like the the use of the blue and the green colors, uh, contrasting the the brass and the metal pipes and, and and metal plates and stuff like that. So yeah, I agree. It's it's chaotic. It's a lot, and it's how we like it, I suppose. Yeah, the flying guys in particular for me, they're a bit like Caradron overlords eat your heart out, right? <laughs> because so many people would go the easy route of saying, "Well, I'll take a Caradron overlord and I'll." I'll chaos him up a bit. What Uth has done here is he said, fuck that into the bin. I'm going to make my own. They're going to look nothing like it. They're going to be scratch built and they're going to look atmospheric as hell. And I think they really give, they give also a sense of sort of levels to this because he's got these two, they're built on Rhino chassis, right? He's got these two big chimneys coming out of them that give the models this tremendous towery height is a great chaos dwarf motif because big towers have been with us since the 80s but then to add these little flying dudes to them it just makes them seem like they are absolutely everywhere because the models they then live in this vertical dimension that adds to the chaos with the tentacles surging upwards out in front and all this kind of stuff you really feel like you couldn't be anywhere near these machines without being in mortal danger which is a great thing to get from a siege engine that's probably why the other guys are flying <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, 
just going to say that. Uh, and they have remote controls and they're not piloting those tanks from the inside for a reason. Yeah, you don't want to be anywhere near that friend or foe. I don't think that tank knows friend or foe as, as, as even concepts. Yeah, anything near that is going to get pulled into it and consumed. Really, really cool stuff. So yeah, Uther, outstanding work as always. I think I said to you in a forum the other day, your work, um, it has a really distinctive voice as it were it has a really distinctive feel distinctive look when you when you see your work you know it's yours and um this is this is like that again where straight away uh, you can almost play the game once you've been part of chaos dwarfs online long enough you can play the game of all the uh, all the entrants come out and guessing whose is whose and i knew this was your one straight away um and that's meant very much as a compliment mate because um it's a distinctive and unique take on chaos dwarfs which is entirely your own it's very very cool all right, nice one. Next one we were going to be having a look at was by uh, William. William, 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 William. I'm going to call him William for now. He has entered um, a kind of partly scratch-built, I think, and partly uh, kit-bashed and converted modern take on the 1980s Chaos Dwarfs uh, Whirlwinds and Tenderizers. So those that aren't aware of that earlier range, there were boar centaurs, a bit like bull centaurs, but half boar, who would push along these kind of uh, war engines. One had big metal fists and stuff that slammed the enemy. The other one had kind of spinning blades. And this is almost like um, an additional one that you could add to that to turn that into a trio. One that has these great big spike kind of drill things that would then drill into an enemy line. Um, he's greyed out the um, the pusher of of the um, of of the of, of the war machine, which I think is probably one of um, Adam Taylor's um, bore centaurs. So he's probably greyed that out just so that he he didn't make that bit. He's made. He's made the war engine instead. Um, it's a very, very cool and kind of modern take on that very old concept. I think he's used the carriage of maybe like an empire or a dwarf cannon there to, to, to be the kind of basis of it. But I think the actual weapon in the top is all his own work. Anyone, anyone got any better ideas than me? I'm not sure. I have no idea where, where the parts come from, but... At first, I was like, I, I don't understand what's going on. You know, I was a bit distracted by the grayed out um, boar centaur. And I was actually spending quite a lot of time trying to decide if he was either a genius with making ethereal models or, or just use force <laughs> to out. Because, you know, the, the first uh, one, two, three, four, four pictures or something, you know, the sideway pictures, they seem photoshopped. But if you look at the last one, the one from the top, for me, it looks like it's a, it's a cloudy model. So it's it, I was really like, is he just a genius or? But back to the thing he did enter. Um, I think it's a really little clever little uh, machine, and it took me a while to appreciate the the little intricacies and and the details in it, um, and the fact that it's actually, well, it it would probably function as it was designed. It looks functional without magic or or whatever, just you know, mechanical. Um, I really wish this was in color, um, because I think that would have, you know, made the model stand out a bit more, and and um, yeah, it it would have made it stand out more. There's not much more to say to that, but still, it's it's really clever, and and 
one thing the grayscale does is it does make you look at, at all the details a bit more without, you know, having all the, the color information to aid your uh, focal points. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really interested where he, if he made it himself and, and what parts he sourced because some of these bits are really nicely made. Well, most of them are really nicely made, but some of them are exquisitely made. And it's a reminder, isn't it, that the artisans competition is not a painting competition. It's a competition of imagination and creativity. So the fact that this is greyed out, the fact that this you know, isn't, being, isn't showing us a paint job, doesn't matter in this competition at all. It's about, it's about the actual the thought and, and intent and then the execution of, of, of creating this thing. And you saying there that it's functional, I would say that's something that this model possibly has that the 1980s ones don't, right? Don't get me wrong. I bloody love a whirlwind. I bloody love a tenderizer. I think in all their 80s goofiness, they're some of the coolest things ever. But I don't imagine it actually work. If you just take that onto a battlefield, I don't think it would actually do an awful lot. It's probably more like to fly apart or something. Whereas this thing looks like it would actually do something on a battlefield. It looks like it would actually be quite a dangerous thing. If you've got an enemy shield wall and this thing is pushed into that shield wall, it might break that line. Do you know what I mean? I would love to know if my hunch, which is that he used real bolts, you know the bit that I'm talking about, for the, yeah. the rear ends of each of the spikes. I just wonder if those are actual screws. And then what he's done is he's built on top of them and he's wrapped, you know, a green stuff cord around them and stuff like that. Um, and I think it gives it a really distinctive look. I do think that's an old Warhammer Fantasy Battle era artillery chassis that he's used. It's not the organ gun chassis, because I was just checking. Uh, the Hellblaster volley gun, sorry. That's the last one that's sold. Um, so if it is, then it's a more vintage cannon chassis. I'm not sure which one. Um, but I would love to hear more from him and maybe see a, a work in progress blog um, for him to tell us a little bit about what this was and how he created it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, certainly. I, I first read it as a, as a Death Shrieker on like a 30-second look, you know, just scrolling through the, the entries on my phone. But uh, I did the know, same when I pulled this up, and then the, what really sells the functionality to me um, is the the different compressions of the springs, and I think that's a really good a really good touch to to bring this into. Yeah, this thing would would definitely just be putting these spears through a wall or or a barricade or something, and and I, yeah, I, I I think those uh, those look sculpted on the front, but yeah, I'd be curious, like you said, to see if uh, if that was some kind of real screw with uh, with some tubing or something around it. Yeah, very cool and very unique uh, take on an older concept there. And it's also, a, this doesn't look out of place in a more technologically advanced Chaos Dwarf army. So a lot of the, a lot of us find our armies going down one or two routes where you're kind of going old realm of chaos stuff, which is a bit more wacky and demony and uh, low tech, or you go down the kind of big hat slash uh, Legion of Asgore. Uh, era, which is, has a bit more of a technological focus to it, especially by the time you get to Asgore. Whereas this kind of lives on both sides of that camp. I think this was, doesn't look out of place in Legion of Asgore army. It's a big, heavy piece of machinery, and it doesn't look out of place in a kind of a realm of chaos army either. I think it works in both, which is a yeah, very, very cool, very cool take on an older concept there. 
So next up, we have, uh, this is Reaver's one, actually. And I believe this one scored, I say I believe, I know for a fact, this one scored gold place, mate. So congratulations for that. Um, we have Reaver's take on the Arse Cannon. And Reaver's gone completely, completely Reaver on this by making it um, super high tech and super nautical all at the same time. So we have this great big cannon um, attached to some kind of horrible, demonic, octopus, squid sort of creature, uh, which I imagine has been inserted in it somehow, and the, uh, the, the cannon is coming out of the rear of him. And you've kind of put this on like a giant mechanical platform. And, and as always, Reva, the level of detail on this is just next level. It really, really is. And I make the mistake of looking at something like this and thinking, oh, he's, he's kit-bashed a few different things here. And then I look at your work-in-progress pictures and I realise that you have sourced so much stuff and created so much stuff from raw materials to create this. So, yeah, it's a really, really exciting and really, really interesting piece. Thanks, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it was a long build, but I've had two things sitting for far too long in a box uh, without a use. Uh, one being the servo hauler crane from Adeptus Mechanicus and the venom crawler, I believe, from Chaos Base Marines, the two main components. And that I quite legitimately only purchased for the legs, which hopefully will be fully formulated in a could I destroy her eventually. But I've had those two things lurking around and other than taking a Dremel tool to a Forge World uh, Dreadquake mortar in a very stressful manner, those are pretty much the main components. And then everything else is trash and more trash, and then uh, some sculpting. Yeah. I mean, you say some sculpting, but that's a hell of a lot of sculpting you did there. Hell of a lot of time, uh, not actually that much green stuff. <laughs> uh, suction cups, just kind of hours of putting suction cu su suction cups on on tentacles. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a whole list of stuff that that I liked about this build, and the the first thing I loved, and and actually the one that made me pretty much instantly make this my favorite top one model of the whole competition is the face of the octopus. It's just, I, I really hoped and prayed that it was hand sculpted and it is so that that really sold it to me. Um, I like the eye cup, you know, with the, with the, with the frame on, on top. It's, it's a really nice detail and it really looks like it's in a, <laughs> in a lot of pain. Um, another thing I like is that the tentacles are, are, gripping everything around it that's you know if you ever saw somebody hold a, an octopus or help one yourself um that's what they actually do so that's that's really really cleverly done um i really like the use of the kits and i do made the mistake that Jack said uh, that he made thinking this is mostly scrap or, or you know kit bash but it took me about mm, say 10 seconds of staring um, to see that you did a whole lot of work on this. Um, and one of my favorite elements that, that I noticed really later on after my third or, or fourth uh, glance were the mini tentacles coming out of a, the, the ass cannon, um, well, the cannon itself. Didn't notice that at once, but really liked it. 
Um, and yeah, it, it, it screamed Reaver. I mean, I didn't really have any doubt who uh, you guys' scopes were. <laughs> so this one was pretty obvious. Um, and again, for this one, I'm really grateful that you made a very extensive blog on how you made it because there's so much detail that isn't visible in the four pictures you sent in. Um, yeah, I love it. And it's a deserved first win. Absolutely. Agreed. I think for me, as someone who knows that he could never achieve what you guys have achieved, and I look at this one, what I think I feel that makes it stand out, even from the other podium stuff, is that the other ones feel like they are kind of a miniature. This feels more like a diorama in the sense of motion that it has right because the tentacles are moving because the whip stands out visually against everything else as kind of being in flight because of the way that the beast itself is clearly mid-turn so even the way that the gun itself is not angled on any of the straight lines of the base right all of these things conspire to create this sense of this horrific beast moving and you feel like you can understand the uneven weight of it based on where everything is and how it's being angled and how it's being moved. And once again, as with Michael's, you get the sense that this is something that is just an absolute nightmare to be in the presence of. It's something that the Chaos Dwarfs are barely in control of. In the way that, by contrast, with Michael's, you feel like this is a horrific animal that has been completely subjugated. This one, it feels touch and go. You know what I mean? It feels like being assigned to be the crew on this one is a bad day for you. I, I like the way you put that. <laughs> well, depending on who you believe on the forum, it's a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Clear first place, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, that I, I like what you said there in terms of like barely being in control, because that's definitely what I was shooting for. And, and, and one of the first ideas that I had was to have one of the tentacles be trying to do something to the machine. And, and that was kind of built a lot of the, like locating the platform and everything, just based on the fact that I wanted one tentacle to be reaching out for levers or something and in some manner to be trying to end its, uh, end its pain. That was, that was one of the things that I kind of built around from the beginning. Didn't have too, too many things that I had written down, but, but that was, that was one of them. And that, kind of wanted and i think the the fourth picture was kind of what i was shooting for in my mind in terms of the diorama between the beast trying to turn something off with one of the crew members not noticing it but the whip guy noticing it and you know going to be uh whipping him in the very imminent future for me i think this is on the level of like a professional forge world centerpiece like the Drazhoath Victorus, you know, the one that's like just landing on the ground and it's, it's mid motion. Yeah. And I think as a, as a, an achievement, I think it exceeds quite a lot of miniatures that are on general release. Right. So if you look at Garda's Steel Soul, Garda's Steel Soul is supposed to be like impacting the ground in like a Marvel hero pose. He's got all of these little hammers floating up behind him from that are supposed to imply motion. That is a professionally sold GW miniature 
that does not imply movement as successfully as this has done. All in all, very impressive, Reva. Well done, mate. Really, really, Thanks, really beautiful model. Right, so <clears throat> moving on from Reva's arse kraken onto number 11, which is created by Freak Show. So if you'll just open up number 11, gents. So what Freak Show has created is a giant sort of a steam engine sort of creation. It's got a bit of a Stevenson's rocket sort of look to it uh, with uh, an utterly massive gun barrel uh, attached to the front of it. And then he's got a, a whole crew of cast dwarf engineers um, working at the back of it there. Another model was, you know, tipping its hat to that sort of Legion of Asgore idea of the kind of the giant steam trains all linked together with different weapons on them. We've talked an awful lot about industrial warfare being a big motif for Castle Wolves. And this really taps into that. Now, I can't tell quite which parts are creations of his own and quite which parts have come from other kits because uh, I'm not particularly familiar with a lot of the parts being used here. Maybe you guys can shed some light on some of this. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one. Uh, I, I mean, I'm thinking there's some of the Adeptus Mechanicus terrain in here could be could be mixed up in that but that you know it looks like he's done something that you know i'd find myself doing in terms of taking adeptus mechanicus and slapping some symbols of hashut on it and then it works nicely um i mean some form of of lost kingdom crew to to take the low-hanging fruit um other than that yeah i'm not fully sure on a lot of these parts definitely a lot of interesting sourcing for sure Sorry, I was uh, trying to look up the gun barrel, but I can't find it. Uh, it's uh, I like this a lot. It's it's really striking with the the tarnished metal and the brass uh, trimmings on it. Um, and as you said, it's it's quite modern, um, or it looks quite modern. The crew in the back looks well. It, it pulls the eye. It's it's really nicely focal point. Um, and I actually really like that model. It's it's just you know I I can imagine this being used in a Chaos Dwarf army and being absolutely terrifying um, would also be a nice proxy for a steam cannon. Um, yeah. I don't recognize any of it, so if he, say, if he would say he made everything from scratch, I'd just completely believe him. Um, yeah, it's a nice model, and, and I voted for him, so it's, it's a good win. I think I voted for him. It's always hard to remember I'm like that as well. I forget who I did and didn't vote for because well, you spend so long agonizing over it, don't you? I mean, I made a subset of, of six or seven models that, that I felt deserved to win, and then I started eliminating. So I can say for sure he was in, in the top six, which is <laughs> pretty good already. Um, I don't know if he made the top three. I, I completely forgot, but I think he did. Yeah. He should have if he didn't. So if you if you didn't <laughs> if you if you lost the win because of my vote, I'm sorry. It's so hard though, isn't it, mate? The quality is so high. When it comes to the voting, you just you want to have 10, 15 different votes you can use, and it just doesn't work like that. If this is if this is a piece of terrain that's been repurposed here, it's entirely um an imaginative concept that that may be like some kind of like a smokestack or something that's being used as a gun barrel there, potentially from like, as you say, some admech or something <laughs> from under train or something there. It's very cool. 
think I'm surprised that we don't see this kind of stuff more often. I think when, you know, when you think about the number of tanks that are available for people to buy and, you know, how stylish the steam tank is and how central to GW's franchise that has been as a concept, I'm really surprised that we don't see more people making Chaos Dwarf steam tanks. And I think this is exactly the kind of thing that you see it immediately. It's evocative and it, it marks itself apart from the Caradron aesthetic, from the Empire aesthetic, from the 40K aesthetic, even though it, it draws, you know, many of those spikes around the frames, for instance, I think are pieces from um, the 40K Rhino or from 40K Chaos kits in general. Um, but then this is just a really wonderfully executed um, Iron Demon style machine that you would expect to see so many of. Um, but when you do it to this kind of quality and standard, you almost wish that you could buy this as a kit, which I think we've said a couple of times now. But I think this is one of the ones where I could really believe that this would be on general release. So at about the same time as uh, Reaver found it, I realized this is part of the uh, Kill Team uh, terrain kit. Um, and as Jack correctly guessed, it's it's part of a well a smokestack basically. It's it's standing upright with the small narrow cannon part up upright. Um, it's from the uh, Mechanicum set, isn't it, um, Reaver? Yeah, that's right. I, the the word jarble that we were looking for is Sector Mechanicus Galvanic Magnavent. <laughs> Why couldn't I remember that? <laughs> it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. <laughs> But still, knowing that it's 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 a kill team set, it, it doesn't diminish any of the work you did in in making oh, it. Oh, not at all. No, quite the opposite. It's, it's yeah, really exactly good. the opposite. It it makes you view it with you know you you think you've seen something, you've seen a potential in a completely unrelated kit. So Warhammer 40k slash kill team, different system, terrain, not a weapon, smokestack, not a gun. He's he's seen the potential in another kit here and he's repurposed it and also not a cheap kit you know what i mean he's invested some money in doing this this hasn't been something that's been done on a whim here he's, he's, he's used an expensive bit of terrain here to create and it's amazing this this does just fit in with the legion of asgore army that doesn't look out of place next to next to a skullcracker engine or, or or one of your big cannons or something at all does it Absolutely. No, he's he's made it work really nicely, and then I will add to that it's it's not just like a drop in place thing. He's done quite a bit of work to that, and I I cannot confirm that the entirety of the barrel is even from that kit. I don't think it is. I think it's really well. At minimum, I can say that the tip looks to be from that, but there's still a pile of work that's been done to it. Yeah, all those hatchet runes as well have been been hand sculpted, I assume. Yeah, must be. Yeah, because I'm looking now at the Mechanicus kit, and there are little half skull sort of uh, Adeptus Mechanicus uh, symbols on there, which I think he has then gone over with some green stuff or some milli part or something, and then created little um, little hatchet V's, the little rune of hatchet there. Do you know the more we've, I was impressed by this when I first saw it anyway, but the deeper we've gone on this one for each show, the, the more impressed I've actually become on it. It's like the more I look at it, the more more questions it raised about how you did it and why you did it and where you got the bits from and stuff. So yeah. Outstanding work, mate. It's exactly what Artisan's all about, that entry. Really, really is. Absolutely. All right, so let's uh 
Let's move on to number 12, uh, which was created by user High on Heresy. So, High on Heresy has created a really, really interesting uh, canon here. A couple of people even even described it as the kind of the, the inverse arse canon. You know, you've got like something that's demonic and it almost looks like it's semi-alive or semi-sentient, but the, the canon ball is going in the bum, as it were, and being launched out of the mouth, as it were. Uh, and this is a a great big kind of like, I can't quite tell if it's like a, a living demon or if it's like um, a statue made to look like a demon. It's hard to tell. And the thing that he's done, which he's done quite a few times this painting, which is always really impressive, is he's done this um, really cold, blue, glowing... Um, uh, object source lighting in his paint job as well here. And I think at least one of the crewmen looks like a cyborg miniatures. Hard to tell. Yeah, absolutely. The guy in the front. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cyborg's got quite a distinctive look. You can normally tell them, can't you? But yeah, this was a really, really unique take on, well, Siege uh, artillery for Chaos Dwarfs, but also a unique take on, on the Arse Cannon as a concept as well. Well, I, for one, absolutely hope that he intended it to look like a living demon, because to me it does. Um, mm -hmm. And it instantly, you know, registered, registered as one of his because of the signature blue. Um, I really like the, the, if you look at the top right picture, the feet and or, or the foot and the, the way that the butt cheek is, is well, you know, sculpted. It's, it's really funny and, and um, nicely look made piece. Also, a lot of detail as with most of these, where you just keep on looking at it and you keep on seeing new stuff. I like this one a lot. Has he done a work in progress on this, on the forum? Because if he has, I've missed it. So I'd love to see how it was created. Same. Linus, if you're listening, mate, do a work in progress in the forum, please. We would love to, if you haven't already, if you have, could you point in the direction for me? Because I've missed it. We would love to see how this was done, what steps you, you, you did to create this. Very interesting. I think it's really interesting in particular because you get the sense that the way that its limbs have been bound down and the way that they're kind of, it's almost merging all into the ground, right? This is a beast that's been brutalized. It's covered in blood stains. You know, it, it is, as with some of the other really fantastic things that we've looked at, this really looks like it takes a lot of work to keep this thing going because it's got these big rippling muscles on the arms and then everything about its arms and hands is covered in blood. Um, I do think that relationship between the barrel and the body is one of the most interesting ones that we've seen. Um, and I think that it, it really deserves that kind of credit for that degree of vision that it took to turn this together be really interested yeah to see that whip blog and to find out where the parts came from and how much of this is freehand sculpted because i know that lake tide's capable of doing that um and and i'd just be really interested to hear what choices he made along the way yeah absolutely yeah I, I, I don't know cyborg stuff well but i i i could see that dwarf having a little bit of conversion done to him as well it looks like like he's got a, a gut plate from from one of so from some of Cyborg's range, I recognize that, but he very well could have taken one one of those Cyborg miniatures and done a fair amount of work to it. 
something I was thinking about as well, Chips, you're just talking about the body of the creature. When you look at the original, uh, I think it was Nick Lund, wasn't it? Ars Cannon. I mean, and Chips, you probably know better than us because you, you're the proud owner of one. It does actually have a body that is much more of a cannon than what later interpretations of it have, have been. Later interpretations of the arse cannon have been much more, here's a demon with a cannon coming out of his arse, whereas the original one was very much more, the line between cannon and demon was kind of a bit more merged and the actual creature's body was kind of like the, the actual tube of a, a cannon. I think, I think uh, you know, uh, uh, Lake Tide is kind of, Tapped into that a touch here, isn't it? Yeah. So the original Ars Cannon was very much, it, it, it almost looks like the demon has grown up around the cannon rather than vice versa, if you see what I'm saying, because the demon's torso is a perfect tube, right? It is a circular spherical tube. It's kind of got fur on top and a face at one end, and then it's got these big muscular limbs that are fastened down. But it, it itself is a cannon barrel as a torso. And that's what I think Big Tide has gone back to that sculpt and thought about how he wants to interpret it in this specific way. Um, in a way where I think with some of the other stuff, and, and we'll come to the last last cannon in a, a couple of entries, but like there are lots of different ways of understanding how you can have firearm that is also someone's ass if you see what i'm saying i think we've seen probably every possible example here um and yeah. this is the one that cleaves closest to the original concept i think it's yeah, we... funny as well is how serious and academic we have now got about ass cannons there was a time on this podcast where someone just mentioned uh, a, a demon's bum and we're all giggling about schoolgirls, but now we are sitting here and we're having very in-depth conversations about you know the specs, the different types of arse cannon, the interpretations of the concept. Well, just uh... to give to give a little, I know I know we don't have much time, but like just to give a little personal bit, I didn't know about the arse cannon until I came to the board. It's the last mini that I found out about. But the other thing to understand is it's by far and away one of the most valuable Warhammer miniatures that's out there on the market, right? Like it is not the metal Thunderhawk. And it's not, you know, like a giant titan, but for the size it is, gram for gram, it's one of the most valuable miniatures out there because it wasn't released. And so it's this myth that exists of this range before a range before a range, all of it discontinued throughout recorded time. Um, and as a result, the concept itself is kind of the forbidden secret of the range that is itself a forbidden secret. Yeah, until I came to the forums a few years back, I wasn't aware of its existence at all either. I think that probably the first time I became aware of it was um, the Chaos Dwarfs Through the Ages uh, section they had in the old forum, which I think has now been ported to the new forum as well, where it had somebody's uh, painted version of that. I'll credit them on screen, and I'll put a picture of, of, of their work up there. I can't remember who, created, who painted that one, but that was my first. Yeah, so it is... It's not something people know. You don't walk up to your average Games Workshop fan and say, uh, so, what do you think about Arse Cannons? Because they won't have a clue what you're talking about, will they? Oh, we're going to change that before this year is <laughs> out. We are going to change that through our partnership with a certain YouTuber. We are going to make Arse Cannons famous, I guarantee. 
Oh wow, this is gonna be my uh this is gonna be my legacy, isn't it? It's gonna be what my, my child looks up to me one day and says, What did you do in, in the world, Dad? I spread I spread the word of arse cannons. We can't stop until we've we've memed a regiment of renowned hell cannon that's an ass cannon into Total War Warhammer three. <laughs> if anyone is listening road. if anyone's listening and they're any good at modding on, on video games, please. Please just just help us out, guys. We can't we can't trust the company to do it, but we know we know someone listening here has the skills, has the time, and has the vision to make this happen. Anyway, let us move on. Let us move on because we have uh, we've got about three. I think three more to look at. So next one is by forum user Twisted Moon, and what we have here is a giant. It's really large. Uh, purple. Um, steam paddle sort of um, uh, boat uh, and it is absolutely full of, of chaos dwarfs and it's got a great big mortar on the front and it's just it's a really fantastic uh, concept because we know that chaos dwarfs have access to steam technology and stuff and how often do we see it kind of applied in this way it's really really cool and I'm recognising as well some uh, very, very niche little models uh, hanging around there. A couple of Adam Taylor sculpts uh, hanging around on board there. But yeah, let's talk about this one, gentlemen. Let's talk about the steam, uh, the steamship. Very, very well realised. And, you know, we've seen, I believe, folks like, folks like Chubb come from, uh, you know, scratch building you know, 28 millimeter naval ironclads. But... This is incredibly well realized and and a substantial effort to to undergo in in a contest deadline. So just props for that. But it, it's been really really well built. I mean, anytime you're trying to do things with those kind of curves, uh, it's it's not going to be necessarily the most fun. He's he's done a really good job realizing it. And then yeah, just the, there's a lot of fun crew aboard, and that really adds to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of brings the whole piece together. And it's also very cool that uh, you know playable interior. So extra effort there for sure yeah i was looking at that and i was thinking this almost works well as a potentially a piece of scenery if you were doing like an rpg or something that people can move around and interact with because it's going to be a hard model to use in an average game of warhammer isn't it it's not the kind of thing you're going to be able to just put onto a land battlefield that's be a very very specific sort of scenario where you have a large amount of water where this could be involved but i could definitely see this being used in, in a game where you can move from room to room and the fact that he's made the roofs removable and actually taken the time and energy to actually paint the rooms and stuff as well even that chimney stack going all the way down has been been completed all the way through hasn't it i mean technically it could be a land ship very true although i'm looking well yeah i suppose so. i suppose i was just looking at the side of it where it has the kind of half circle uh, sort of covering and imagining that a whole wheel, like a whole paddle would go there so that some, therefore, I suppose the, the viewer assumes is, is, is submerged in water. But hey, these are cows dwarfs. There's nothing stopping them having some kind of big old tank tracks underneath that cover and rolling this thing into battle, is there? Look, man, if the these kin ride fucking sharks through the air into battle above the water, then... We can roll a steamboat over flat terrain if we want to, um, but I do think that he's chosen, in particular, he's chosen the the fabric that he's placed it on to kind of yeah. suggest water. 
Um, and it would be charming either way, right? Because I think that's the thing that I get from this more than anything is kind of this infectious sense of fun, right? You've got that sort of um, chimney coming through. You've got the corrugated iron effect on the, the top. It's kind of a, a very much sort of zooming in on um, Man of War in a way that, you know, we never get the chance to do because of how much the scale of 28 millimeter demands of it. And it's really nice to see one take that concept on to execution. This is what I imagine it's like during a game of Man of War, right? Lots of people fussing around on deck, living out their own stories. The fact the roofs are detachable just adds to the charm for me. That's really fascinating that you've mentioned Man of War, actually, Jits, because um, I've not really played Man of War much. I had a couple of a couple of intro games because a friend of mine owns the starter kit for it. And we once uh, fantasised about having a game of Man of War, and then when you have the boarding action in Man of War, it's a simple dice roll to decide whether a crew's taken over and killed the other crew or whatever. And we spoke about how you could use another system like Warhammer or Age of Sigmar or Warlords of Erewhon or something to actually to resolve those battles. So when the two ships come side by side and one launches an assault on the other one, then turning to the side and having a boat already out like this and getting your models out and actually fighting a little battle over the boat would be so cool. Ironically, I think more time would be what you'd want to use. Yeah, that'd be a good system for it, actually, wouldn't it? Everyone acting independently, but using those Warhammer stats, yeah. That would be a really cool one for that. But yeah, having a piece of kind of, it's a war machine, but using it as a piece of scenery uh, for a system like that would be a lot of fun. It'd be a fun way to resolve those boarding actions. It'd make the game last ages. <laughs> but at the same time, with the detachable roof, to me, it almost says like, this is a piece for like an RPG campaign if it's not, you know, a game yeah. of more time, right? Like it's a bit small to do something that intricate on, but really this is a diorama that we're looking at. I think the joy of it, like I say, is that this is just such a fun model because it gives you all these different ideas and all these different angles on stuff. And you just feel like you could spend months getting use out of it on games and creating dioramas and, and disassembling them in turn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, it absolutely screamed RPG at the first glance. Um, um, not only because in the past I have had missions or, or well, entire games uh, taking place on a ship on a river on the Reich. Uh, so, yeah, I got flashbacks to that mission, uh, funnily enough. Um, other than that, I, I can only really mimic what you guys said. I love that it has a playable interior and uh, the chimney was really... Um, well, it stands out a lot. I like that. Um, I love the size. It's it's really, well, it's it's chunky in a good way. Um, and a shout out, shout out to the Adidas, 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 whatever you pronounce it, Adidas logo on the side. I like that. Oh, it's like a tree fall from Adidas. I know what you mean. Adidas Originals, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like it. Although, also, uh, interesting color choice for purple for the ship. It's a nice touch. Yeah, all in all, a, uh, a very cool entry. Uh, thank you, Twisted Moon. Uh, moving on now to entry number 14, which was created by Debo, one of our regulars. Uh, he's into an awful lot of our competitions. He's very active in the forum. Um, so, yeah, let's have a good look at what Debo has created. How do I start to describe this? Debo has created a steam engine of sorts, a kind of a war machine. 
which is uh, you know made out of metal, brass, has big old hatchet runes and other Chaos Dwarf symbols on it. And on the front of it, it has an absolutely enormous Chaos Dwarf slash Lamassu kind of head. What a big hat with horns with a bright ginger beard. It's got uh, big old rocket launchers and stuff on the side of it. And as if that isn't uh, impressive enough, viewers who look at the fourth picture will see that this machine actually expands out and stands up with things clicking out of the side of it to, to stand up at a kind of like a full height and have all of its armaments on show, like some kind of twisted Chaos Dwarf Transformer. It is, it is utterly crazy in all the best ways possible. It taps into all of my childhood Transformers and Power Rangers experiences. And of course, it's very, very much Chaos Dwarf themed. How do we feel about this one, guys? Well, as with a lot of, of his work, it's, it's very 1994, um, which is a good thing. Um, and, well, it, it, where do I start? <laughs> There's a lot to look at. It's, it's really interesting. And, and the choice of, of putting the, the Lamassu Taurus head on, on the front is, is interesting, but it's very, um, well, it's, it's a good touch. I like the focal point of that. Um, and again, as with some of the models, it took me a while to really understand what I was looking at and, and, and to understand that it was, you know, transformer-like collapsible. Um, I mean, I, I saw there was something different, but it just it, it took me a while to understand what it, what he did. Um, I like the fact that the wheels he used are what I assume are either um, Forge World Kit wheels or something similar, or either good copies, I don't know. Um, and yeah, overall, it's it's a it's a cool piece of work. The the bull, the golden bull head on the rear, it looks a lot like uh, a 3D printed part. He, uh, I also have on the, uh, what's it called, the rocket launcher I printed. Um, okay. So might be he found that and and printed it. I recognize it from that anyway. Um, yeah, I like it. It's it's a. It's a pretty cool and fun piece to, to to look at. Also, I think this would be pretty terrifying if the, if it was coming at you on a field of war. Oh god, yeah. Really like what he's done with the uh, with the runes uh, on all the sides. I think that's a that's a really nice touch. Uh, yeah, they're you know really crisp, well made. Definitely can uh, can appreciate he's gone and and sourced some. Some really fun looking runes to to bring this thing to life. Yeah, and I think they are proper, like as in in universe proper lore Chaos Dwarf runes. I seem to remember there's a somewhere on our forum somebody's compiled a list of Chaos Dwarf runes, which is always an interesting thing. I'm recognizing a couple of them from that actually. So I think he's done his own work here. He's made it. He's made it lore friendly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you think he's a? Is he taken? Is he taken a kind of like a transformer style toying kind of cast off? That was my assumption. Yeah. That underlying this is a train, like a plastic toy train that has then had work done on it. That work is significant, right? Like not least the adding of the weapons. I think he's replaced all the wheels. Um, which is probably significant work because they all seem to be different sizes and yet they're holding it all up the same 
um, height. And then, of course, he's added the runes and the bull's head on the back. I don't know how much work he's done with the weapons, but we'd have to once again beg him to do a, a whip blog and tell us more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Debo, if you have done a whip blog, a, a blog, I haven't seen it, mate. You might have done it. There's a lot. The forum is so busy right now. So much cool stuff coming out. But I'm actually, there was a time I was saying to the guys a little while ago, there was a time when I knew that I saw everything that happened on CDO. But now there's so much material coming through the forum that I do often miss things. So Debo, if you haven't done a work in progress blog, we'd love to see it. If you have done a work in progress blog, could you just ping it to us or chuck a message out or just remind us because... Uh, love to see how this was created and the last thing i would say is that the the color scheme he's gone straight down the debo line once again to 1993 he's built this incredibly classic it looks color scheme wise and in the way that he's expressed it it looks like the box art from the old character kits he's used kind of if they sold a chaos dwarfs paint starter kit is used that whole palette um as it was in the original big hat range um mm. and i think it pays real dividends because it really brings that giant lamasu head to life i'd love to know where that comes from as well and how much work he did on that personally um but i, I really think that whatever the source of all these different elements and components he's brought together he's brought it together into this absolutely hilarious and fun looking machine I'm recognising the head, actually, as there is a, uh, a Chaos Dwarf Blood Bowl Minotaur on Thingiverse. I don't know the name of the artist who created it. If I find it and remember, I'll link it on here as we do this. Um, but what I think he's done is he's then gone into some kind of mesh mixer or something, separated out that head from the body, and then just blown it up to an absolute ridiculous scale that I can only imagine took up the vast majority of the printer plate as he printed it. I think I think that's right. I mean, if if you know the the last well few hours of the contest uh, before the voting uh, started, he was pretty much live blogging his progress in a, a last minute ditch to get this all done. So. I would assume there's not much room for taking pictures for a web blog, but I really hope he did because I would love to see where he started that evening and where he ended in the morning, being what we're looking at, um, and see just actually how much work he pulled off in that one night because that makes it even more special to know that he did a lot of this work in one night. Not my club completely forgotten that he was doing this proper last minute, wasn't he? That he was really up against it for time and that he was saying, there's a chance I'm not going to make it, boys. And he was like, I am going to make it. And he was kind of like, yeah, burning the midnight oil to get this done. So I think he took pictures yeah. and entered them in, in like the five last minutes or something. Really? Really? Well done, Debo. It, it was really close anyway. Yeah. Shows how serious people take these competitions, doesn't it? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, we are going to move on now to the... Oh, the last one, actually. The last uh, entrance. Not last in chronologically, but just last as in last in the list of, of, of entrances to the competition, which is the Ask Cannon that I created. So, uh, yeah, this is something I sculpted. Its body is mostly made out of... Um, 
Citadel paint pots, and its arms are made out of coffee stirrers mostly. And uh, its, uh, its its bum cannon is the is half of a. Uh, when you've got little kids, they have a paracetamol as like a medicine as opposed to a tablet. And it comes when they're babies with a little syringe that you kind of use to administer. And uh, yeah, it's one of those little baby syringes for, for, for administering medicine. That's, that's what the, uh, the, the, the bum cannon is. And as I said earlier, this is something that I had a slightly different vision for. And then I went and messed up my finger and had to use clay to finish it. So I ended up using um, fur because... Fur is a very straightforward thing to sculpt, and uh, that's I, 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 I kind of I, I went for the easy option at the end. Yeah, this is this is my my ass cannon. Where do we start? Um, <laughs> it's it's probably the most uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's probably the most pretty sphincter of the competition. Um, so that's that's a nice made sphincter. Congrats on that. Um, I like the weathering on the cannon. That's really spot on, and I like the. Uh, it's the first time I see it actually. I like the fact that the green, uh, slimy stuff also leaked onto the sphincter. That's a nice touch. That's yeah, the first. Um, but the thing that sold this to me is is absolutely the face, the head, the the single horn on top, and the fact that he has one eye, no front teeth, or top teeth, upper teeth, whatever. Um, yeah, this this made me laugh way more than I want to admit. Um, it's, it's every time, really cool. every time you look at it, and actually, and yeah, I, I would proposition that when you show this, you can show a sequence of images in the YouTube video, uh, going uh, lower left, uh, and then the upper right with the barrel, and then the whole image with the face in the top left, and then the bottom right, because that is that is the meme sequence that just absolutely makes this thing just incredible comedy gold you just okay you're seeing a demon yeah clearly there's there there's an ass cannon and then you just see the face and then you get the close-up on the face zoomed in and that that sequence there is just uh, the funniest thing in, in this competition and the curled knuckles on the one hand is is probably my favorite side detail <laughs> just just no, hold, on, hold on to it <laughs> I know what your favorite side detail is, Reva, because you pointed these out to me. It's the fact that it's had its teeth pulled. That's it. Yep, that's true. I wasn't the first to point it out, though. I think it's, actually, honestly, Oxy, the, the level of detail you put into telling a story, right? This has classic painting competition, well, and it's a sculpting competition, but like classic painting competition narrative, right? In the just by looking at the details, and this has been true in all three of your entries, you learn something about how this miniature ended up in the pose that we found it in today. In this instance, this is, of the three of your entries, this is the demon which is by far the least threatening to the chaos dwarfs around it, right? Oh, he's subjugated, isn't he? Literally almost toothless, clearly experiencing <laughs> one of the worst days of his life. And, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's going to finish anytime soon, right? And I think the toothlessness, you know, the the whole pose, and like you say, Reva, the curled knuckles, like all of it, it provides this tremendous, like, emotional depth to this senseless 
piece of military hardware is just bizarre. Like, we shouldn't be talking about the emotional depth of an arse cannon sculpt. And yet, you've done that classic thing that everyone on the forum loves so much, where you've taken an absurd concept, thought it through, and realized that it has a story to tell. I think that's one of the reasons why it so comfortably gets onto the podium, because it's so evocative the minute you see it. Um, and the idea that the fur was some kind of compromise doesn't even sit right with me because it looks so natural. You know what I mean? It, it looks so intentional that I can't imagine what you would have done instead of fur. Yeah. Do you know what? And the fur is one of those things that it was created because of a necessity. And then I ended up leaning into it and changing the design slightly because of it. But I am happy that I did. I think the original thing I was going to do was going to be a lot more exposed skin and, and musculature on the, on the creature itself. And there potentially would have been more that could have gone wrong there in terms of my actual sculpting ability. But actually, and I think one of you guys pointed out that the original Ars Cannon had the fur in that as well. So yeah, it kind of, it works in the end, I think. I'm, 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 I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm proud of what I've created because it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Be fair. But I, in, in, the, in the context of this competition, I'm proud of what I've created, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said you were afraid to show it to your kid, but in my eyes, this is the most kid-friendly ass cannon on the face. <laughs> or four. Yeah, yeah. And it, it fits well with your northern dwarves as well, having, a, you know, they created a, a furry creature or, or captured a, a, a furry creature. That, that makes sense to me, uh, as opposed to, you know, something that would be you know, more bare. It makes sense that they, they, would, they would find something that looks like this, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And since this was, I didn't have any uh, snow basing stuff when I took these photographs, but I have since added the snow base to it so that it does fit that army a lot better now than it did at completion. At the time, I just, I'd run out of snow stuff and, and had to, uh, to enter. Um, the, the two biggest influences on his whole face and design and stuff was... Um, uh, I don't know if any of you guys are Ray Harryhausen fans, but he, the, um, one of the Sinbad films, he finds this great big troglodyte creature, which is like a giant sort of ape thing with a big horn in the middle of its head. That was part of it. Uh, and then the other one was uh, Ludo from uh, Labyrinth. The kind of big, sad bear monster. And I always thought that that, that Jim Henson creature has a very, very sad face, and I wanted sad in this. So he doesn't look like Ludo, but that was like a, a real inspiration for this. I mean, if, you, if I had to describe this thing in one word, it would be sad. I mean, yeah. Or funny. I can't decide. Either, either way. Yeah, also, no, sadness is what I was going for, definitely. Yeah, you succeeded a lot in, in funny too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadness for, for the sake of comedy, to, to laugh at this creature's anguish. I definitely get a Cyclops Gruffalo vibe from it with the fur. <laughs> oh um, my god, shit. I just took my daughter the day before yesterday to the Gruffalo Trail uh, in the wood in Essex. Nice. If, I, if I'd have come across this, mate, I would have, I would have gone straight home. Uh, I also I also think there's something to the fact that this is almost like a, a demon just on its worst day just that has been subjugated and that that is something that you know we don't often get to see right we don't often get to empathize with or experience pathos with demons 
and, and in this instance, you can just tell that this guy is having one of the worst days of his life. Uh, well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to produce and a fun competition to enter. Um, and as I think I mentioned in the forum already, I, I managed to, to snag a bronze place for this, which means I've both done very well in the competition and yet somehow also lost the Astazans competition to, uh, to, to my colleagues, Reva and Michael there. Who, uh... Let, no, let's be clear. The guy who never <laughs> enters anything and has no talent is always taking fourth place, right? So <laughs> you can wear your bronze medal with the pride of a, a minor Olympic athlete because it's still a massive achievement, especially in the context of Astazans, the stuff that you guys did won on its own merits, right? Like that meme was just a meme between us. I think people on the forum were aware of it, but in practice, you were not competing against the other bums. You were all podiumed against almost all of the other hardware that people put out there. And I think that's a testament to why everyone likes to hear you guys in particular talking about what they've made, right? Because you're clearly a group of astonishingly skilled people. And I still don't understand why you hang out with me. I think also Michael said it earlier, but uh, there was definitely uh, no shortage of people uh, that you know may not be very uh, amenable to the concept of the ass cannon and 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 from Admiral's uh, kind of challenge during I guess Michael's sculpting process. There, uh, definitely surprised we weren't dumped on by all the other entries. I mean, it's 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 kind of sad and and really good that we all placed in in the top three because either if neither of us like finished in top three we, we wouldn't have real closure on this because we <laughs> not know who went up above the other one but on the other hand for people who are like easily disgusted by all the nasty stuff we see coming by on the discord off topping and stuff you all did vote on the stuff we made that is pretty nasty and fits off topic pretty much <laughs> wholeheartedly. So I'd have a good hard look in the mirror the next time you comment on someone. <laughs> yeah, I think I think to be fair, like there is a huge recognition for what are clearly the most ambitious acts of sculpture. Um to, to look at the other entries, in most cases you're looking at kit bashes, right? The vast majority. Um, and the thing that made Little Joe, and Little Joe deserves his day in the sun and his respect for his podium finish as well, the thing that made Little Joe something that I think people voted for is the technical achievement of making the fortress appear to float, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and only using one angled strut. Like, this is a very high intellect, high ability voting population that you're dealing with. Do you know what I mean? And And when... Things like Uther's achievement in the things that he did doesn't necessarily podium. It's not to say that like this stuff isn't beating the standards of almost all sculpting competitions. I think that in most cases, the Ars Cannons took the positions that they took because there was so much green stuff, putty and sculpting work. And it was really obvious to every voter. And I say this as, as a non-biased one of them. It was really obvious to every voter the gap between the starting materials and the finished product with your stuff, stuff that was mainly not kit bashed, stuff that was mainly scratch built, you know, is the thing that commanded the votes. And I think Joe similarly 
people looked at that and thought, bloody hell, could I really do that? How long would it take me? He's made it look effortless. It looks like it's going to stand like that for a thousand years, even though it's got clear blue space beneath it. And that's why we keep you around, Chits. You, you just praise us a lot. <laughs> When in <laughs> doubt, kidding. I do words good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, to me, this was a really hard vote because you have all these, you know, there's the, the subcontest of all the, the ass cannons, and I really wanted to vote on these exclusively. But on the other hand, That would have been firstly very unfair to the other guys, and secondly, I didn't want to vote on the ass cannons because I wanted to vote on the ass cannons. I I wanted them to deserve it. So it took me quite a a long process to figure out why I wanted to vote on something, um, and and that attests to the amount of work and effort that was put into all these entries. Uh, so in, in all in all, I want to say good job to everyone who entered, um, and thank you to everyone who voted um this was a really fun contest yeah absolutely it's, it's a bit of a cliche isn't it to say you know what everyone's a winner and stuff like that but with 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 the competition like this everybody has made a massive massive effort and everybody needs to be applauded for making that massive effort no two people have come out with an alike design here no two people have approached it from the same direction and no two people have phoned it in either Everyone who has entered here has, has, you know, they've not left anything. They've, they've given their all. And that is, as I often say, you know, we are, a, we are a small forum in the big scale of things, Chaos Dwarfs Online, but we are disproportionately creative. And, and, and you know, for the size that we are, we are disproportionately creative. So, um, yeah, this is just another, another example Of, of what the users of this website are are able to achieve. So yeah, well done to each and every one of you who entered this competition, guys. It's appreciated and it's inspired us all. You'll probably be seeing copycats of your work popping up all over the forum because I know we've already spoke about designs today that we've looked at and we've gone, yeah, I want to use a little bit of that and yeah, I wish I'd done a bit of that. And these these these, these kind of add to the kind of the mythos for kind of ever growing Uh, our own canon of what Chaos Dwarfs are. It's cool. Really cool stuff. But that does bring us to the end, gentlemen, of of the of the Astazans competition. Um, unfortunately, that's all the entrants, you know. We've gone through them all now. So uh, we've just got a couple little messages before we sign off, really, haven't we? Um, the, the first message is that um, there's another competition on. There is the Golden Hat competition running right now. The Golden Hat competition, similar to the Artisans competition, but instead of being kind of kitbash or sculpting focused, it's more painting focused. There is nothing stopping you from sculpting. There is nothing stopping you from kitbashing. It just means that the focus of the competition leans a little bit more heavily towards your, your painting. And the theme this time, um, very cleverly, I think, from Admiral to coincide with the Dominion release and the Hobgrots models that are now available extremely cheap on eBay. If you're half interested in them, guys, get them now. Um, it's to coincide with these Hobgrot models that are out now. So it's Hobgoblin themed. Um, some people will be creating Hobgoblin heroes. Some people will be creating units of Hobgoblins, Hobgoblin war machines, whatever you want. If it's Hobgoblin themed, 
it is applicable to be entered into this competition. So if you're not a member of the forum, please, please, please come sign up, come join us, come get involved in these competitions. Yeah. Uh, and then the other um, announcement to, to, to make is that an awful lot of our listeners will be very aware of a company called Russian Alternative. Now, Russian Alternative has serviced our community amazingly well over the last few years, creating very, very cool big hat style sculpts. Yeah, these are big hat chaos dwarfs. They call them the dwarfs of Fire Canyon, but they fit with a more modern aesthetic than this. So they, they have the same kind of design cues as the original 93 dwarfs. But they wouldn't look out of place next to your Legion of Asgore models. Yeah, they wouldn't look out of place next to your Lost Kingdom models. They have a, a gritty realism at the same time. Now, we have it on good authority that if you want Russian alternative models, the time to buy them is probably now. There is a quite high chance that this company won't be operating this time next year. Um, everything that is in stock on their store right now is there to be bought. Um, but we cannot be 100% sure that it will be getting restocked. We cannot be 100% sure that uh, new things will be getting created. I've been speaking a little bit with Sergey from Russian Alternative, and the message seems to be that if you are into Russian Alternative's miniatures, if you want some of these in your collection, the time to get them is now because... It might be too late, and then you might be paying some horrible eBay prices for what has been an out-of-production model. So if you're into Russian alternative models, now's the time to get them. So, ladies and gents, um, that's all we have time for today. Um, if you want to get involved in our community, yeah, we have the Facebook, we have Twitter, we now have Instagram, we have a Discord, and of course, the most important place for you to be is our forum, okay? We are active on lots of different uh, platforms of social media uh, where you can engage with us and you can get involved in the Chaos Dwarf community, but the forum is the real heart of what we are all about, and the forum lasts. What you put on a forum goes into like a library of ideas that can be picked up on for, age, for forever. Um, stuff on the Facebook, stuff on the Twitter, by the very nature of these social medias, disappears over time, but the forum lasts. So come get involved on any of those platforms, but 100% come and visit us on the forum. All of us guys are active there. The guys whose work you've just seen on, the, on, on today's podcast, they're all active there. It'd be great for you to come and get engaged and get involved in our community. But that is all we have time for tonight. So we will say goodbye, and we'll see you next episode. Ta-da, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.